Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode 285 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for The Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and The Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are checking me out live now. As always, I remind you, please make sure you subscribe to The Ring Digital YouTube channel. Please make sure you click the notification bells, and please hit that thumbs up button, all right? Uh, if you're watching live, we really, really appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up button and say salute. Get in on the chat. We've got uh, phone lines open, but I got a lot of talking to do before we get to the phone calls. So uh, please give me some time to plow through this. Also, last week, some of the phone calls went really long and uh, some of you guys out there complained. So today, all right, I'm going to cut you guys off right around three, four minutes. So you need to call and get it in. I'm expecting a lot of calls today, but it's always hit or miss. You just never know. Sometimes I expect a ton of calls and two people call. Sometimes I expect no calls and 20 people call. We'll see what happens. So this is TNC 285 for the week of October 16. Uh, and if you can't catch me live right now, remember the audio pod comes out on my platforms, on podcast platforms around the world, Montero Unboxing. Make sure you search for that. Make sure you're subscribed and you leave ratings, reviews, all that good stuff helps me out. Okay, guys, this is a, uh, a non-ad show. We do this by... Word of mouth. So the fee that I ask is that you tell a friend about the show. And if you're watching, listening, whatever it is, make sure you sub, make sure you give a review, a rating, and all those things because it helps me tremendously. Uh, real quick, we already got some action on the chat. Uh, Mary Ross, you're going to have to explain your comment here. Mary says, uh, So is Fury a cheat or not just asking? Referring to Tyson Fury, obviously. She says, who you got, Canelo or Plant? I got Canelo. Keep the same energy, people. You too, Michael Montero. I'm just asking for a friend since Caleb Plant is cleaning up the sport of boxing all by himself. But I haven't heard him call anybody else a cheater, but Canelo, I guess he doesn't look at other. Uh, Mary, that's a lot of run-on sentences there. You're going to have to explain that one. I don't know what Tyson Fury has to do with Canelo or Plant or me, but please explain what the hell you're trying to insinuate there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Eric Gomez says bomb squad. Well, there were definitely some bombs Saturday in Vegas. We'll talk about that. Hamed says, Salud Montero should be a great TNC show. That was a great fight. John Uden says day off. So I can finally be on live again. Yeah, John, you ain't been on in a while, man. It's good to have you back. Captain Hill Chronicle says the Wilder fans will be calling. Hey, I want to hear from everybody, including Deontay Wilder fans. Let's do it. I want to hear the new conspiracies, man. Uh, Twall 1999 says the two feather dusters are currently holding all heavyweight titles. Skills matter. Great point. We'll be talking about that. And Sun Monkey Kong says, how much did you guys pay for the Fury versus Wilder pay-per-view? I paid near $100, even though it said 80 Bought it on ESPN app. $100 for a pay-per-view is damn expensive. Yeah, but you got to admit, I, I agree, that's crazy. But if there was one that was worth the money, this probably was it. You got to admit that. But I'm thinking you had to buy the ESPN Plus app for a year, which was probably your 20 bucks or whatever. And then the pay-per-view is 80 bucks. I'm thinking that's what that charge was. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, in the chat. And then Sam on the chat says, Wilder didn't get the memo that you are allowed to protect your face. Ouch! Ouch, that hurts. Probably not as bad as Deontay Wilder's face hurts right now, though. Oh, all right. News and notes real quick. And then we're going to get right to the review, guys, because obviously everyone's going to want to talk about this. Uh, news and notes, real quick. I, I want to say that uh, my thoughts are with 
the DeMarco family. Tony DeMarco, one of the real great fighters from really the 1950s, uh, was the legitimate welterweight champion, albeit briefly, it was brief, but he fought everybody in one of the most loaded eras ever and was the legitimate welterweight champion from the North End in Boston. They called him the Boston Bomber. Uh, he died today at 89 years old. If you guys are ever up in Boston and the North End, uh, visiting there, grabbing some food, whatever, make sure you check out the Tony DeMarco statue. It's pretty awesome. So I just wanted to say uh, rest in peace to Tony DeMarco and let uh, the family know that my thoughts are with them. Uh, also, Adrian Broner arrested again. Do we really care to go into this? I'm not even going to talk more than 10 seconds about this. Adrian Broner arrested for an outstanding warrant in Ohio. Blah, 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 blah. We'll be talking about Adrian Broner getting arrested for the next 20 years. Also, uh, Gervonta Davis picking another cherry to put on pay-per-view in Los Angeles, December 5th, fighting Rolando Raleigh Romero. Obviously, this fight doesn't belong on pay-per-view. It's a grudge match. These two are going to talk trash. Romero's uh, promoted by Floyd Mayweather, comes out of that gym. So for Floyd and the little niche fan base that they're building for Javante Davis, this is a perfect fight. And the people that pay for this are going to love it. They're absolutely going to love it. They're going to get, in their mind, their money's worth. Cool. Got no issue with that. I completely understand what they're doing in the Javante Davis team and the uh, business that they're building there. I ain't mad at them at all. However, when people connected to Davis in his camp, bitch, later on, that Ring Magazine doesn't have him anywhere near our pound-for-pound pound list or anywhere near the top of whatever division that he decides to fight in this time. I don't know where this fight's going to be. 130, 135, 140, I don't know. But whatever division he picks this, this time to fight in, when we don't have him rated near the top of that division, or we don't have him anywhere near our pound-for-pound pound list, you can't bitch because you're not taking the fights that would warrant those sort of ratings, okay? So we don't have to take your career seriously until you do something serious in your career. You could talk about, and I went back and forth with a member of Gervonta Davis's team last week on Twitter. You guys saw that. Um, I, again, I got nothing against the business model and what they're doing. I understand it. They're making money. But every single time I bring up accomplishments of guys like Josh Taylor, Tiafima Lopez. And I mentioned those two guys because they're both the champions in the two divisions Javante Davis is supposed to be fighting in right now. But there are other fighters I can mention too. I mean, Jamel Herring's about to fight Shakur Stevenson. That's a great fight. That's a great matchup. So uh, if Stevenson does beat Herring, that's a bigger accomplishment, a bigger win than any of Davis's wins, right? When you consider the who, what, when, where, and why of it, I think if Stevenson wins, it's a bigger account accomplishment than any of Tank's. Uh, and that's not to diminish Tank because he has had some quality wins, but what they're doing over there is not fighting the best. They're trying to make money. But every time I talk to a member of Javante Davis's team, and it goes all the way up to Floyd and Leonard Ellaby, all those guys, or one of his fans, it's always about, well, we're selling tickets. We're selling pay-per-views. Well, number one, you're not really selling that many pay-per-views. You're struggling to get 200,000. I don't care what Coppager and Ioli and those guys say. You're struggling to sell 200,000 pay-per-views. And even if you do sell 250 or 300 this time, that's not crossover superstar numbers. So you're not selling that many pay-per-views. And yes, you are selling tickets. Yes, true, you are. But we just saw a fight over in the UK a couple of weeks ago that did, what, 66,000, right? 
Canelo Alvarez fought a B-level fighter earlier this year in Texas, and it did 70,000. So yes, you're selling tickets, but you're nowhere near the level of some of these other guys. So when you say things, and they repeatedly say stuff like, Tank is doing what no one else is doing. Tank is the number one guy. He's the number one ticket seller. He's on pay-per-view. You need to slow down with that shit. That might work with the fan base you're building up because you're building up a, an uneducated fan base. And Cool. You're not the only fighter that's out there doing that. I, I can take this beyond boxing and we could go to other fight sports, okay? There are Conor McGregor fans. Hello. There are plenty of gullible fan bases out there. Do your thing. Make your money. But guys like me are going to tell the truth and talk the truth. It's like a used car salesman. Find a chump to tell him about the rims and the stereo and the speakers. I'm the dude that's going to walk up. How's the fucking engine run? How's the servicing on the car? How's the transmission? How's the electronics? You go talk to the other dude to try to sell him the car because of the rims it has and the sunroof. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. Okay. I'm going to move on right from that. We're going to get right into this review because I ain't going to spend too long on that kind of stuff. All right. That's news and notes. Now, Real quick, let's go over to the UK. Matchroom on the zone, Liverpool, England. Liam Smith, TKO8 over Anthony Fowler. And then in the co-main, uh, fight of the year contender, Troy Trojan Williamson improves to, uh, I think, 17-0 and and 1. He has one draw on his record from the UK. TKO10 win over Ted Cheeseman in another. Uh, these Both of these were junior middleweight fights. And it was a brutal left hook KO. So it was like a knockout of the year contender in a brawl, back and forth brawl. Really, really fun fight. And a pretty good card for what it was. It was a domestic level card, but it was a lot of fun. And then uh, Jamie Mitchell from LA gets the majority decision win over Shannon Courtney, who lost her uh, title on the scale. She claims it was menstrual stuff going on. Hey, I wouldn't know nothing about that. It's not something I deal with, but I do know I've talked to a lot of female fighters. It can seriously be an issue. You can literally gain several pounds in a matter of hours once that thing kicks in. So they time something incorrectly. If you take Shannon Courtney at her word, uh, she was trying to be professional, make weight, didn't happen. So she already lost her title on the scales, her bantamweight title. I think this was her first defense, but Jamie Mitchell wins it. Uh, she takes that title back home to America. So Williamson Cheeseman, uh, real quick about Cheeseman, in his last six fights going back three years, okay, going back to the beginning of 2019, he is two, three, and one. And he's been in some wars. That guy's taken some punishment. And after this left hook KO, this didn't happen in the first round or second round. This happened in the 10th round. I don't know how he's going to look after this, okay? Uh, he's taken a lot of punishment in some of these fights. But for Troy Williamson, for the UK fans out there, the British fans, there's a guy to look at. There's a guy to keep an eye on. He's had a pretty good 2021. He's had two good wins this year. That's a guy to keep an eye on for sure. All right, let's jump over here to the United States where we had um, top to bottom, one of the best pay-per-views, particularly from PBC, which has been doing multiple pay-per-views a year. Uh, one of the best pay-per-views in a while that really did deliver. There's some great action. I'm going to blow through this uh, undercard real quick, and then we're going to get to the main event, okay? Uh, on the, on the non-pay-per-view portion of the undercard, which was on, I think, FS1 here in the United States, which was smart. And I, and I love that PBC does that. It's a smart thing that they do with these pay-per-view cards. Robinson Ramirez, uh, unanimous decision win over Orlando Gonzalez. So Ramirez, let's talk about him for a second. You know, lost up front in his career. 
He's gone on a streak since then. This guy doesn't have what I would call elite level power as a pro. Uh, still has a little bit of an amateur style, but he's settling in now. He's starting to settle in. I don't think he has game-changing power at 126, but that skill set, he is going to be a problem right now for anybody at featherweight. I, I really do believe that. Uh, Top rank knew what they were doing when they picked him up, and they've developed him pretty well. Also, uh, we had an upset special on this undercard. Vladimir Hernandez, split decision win over Julian J. Rock Williams. Um, inactivity killed J-Rock. He just did not look very good in this fight. Just hasn't looked like the same guy that he looked like in that one fight against Jarrett Hurd. Now, maybe that was perfect matchmaking, perfect timing. Maybe that's just the performance of his life and he put it all together. But man, 154, things just shuffle around, right? Because it was Hurd, then it was Williams, then it was Rosario. Now it's Charlo, but it's kind of not Charlo because it's Charlo and Castaño. And a lot of people felt that Castaño beat Charlo. So, there's just a lot up in the air at 154, but top guys have been fighting each other and it's been fun to watch. There are some people out there that thought Williams won this fight, did enough to win. There are some people out there that thought the decision was just and Hernandez won. Either way, on paper, would you think this fight would be that close? Because Hernandez is a guy that Israel Madrimov beat in his pro debut, beat down and stopped. Now, styles make fights. Every fight's different. But on paper, I don't know if anyone predicted this. Not many people did. Also, Edgar Berlanga wins, but uh, had to get off the canvas to do it. He was knocked down in the ninth. Berlanga, and I've talked about this. I was one of the few guys out there when he was going on this knockout streak of first-round knockouts. And ESPN, the commentary crew there, they're promoters, right? So they're promoting this guy. Oh, we got our next superstar, blah, 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 blah. Well, his last two fights have gone the distance, and he's looked – Less than spectacular. And in this fight, look, everyone's shitting down his throat right now, Edgar Berlanga. Slow down on that, okay? He gets the unanimous decision win over Marcelo Esteban Coceres. He apparently injured his left arm during this fight, so he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But he got rounds. He got dropped. He injured himself. Dealing with all that adversity, he was able to pick it up and finish the fight and do enough. I, I thought maybe the scores, I can't remember if they were too wide or not, but he won the fight. I, I'm, I have no issue with him getting that decision, okay? Sometimes you need fights like this to get to the next level. I do think Berlanga has some tools. However, this is a kid that clearly fell in love with his power in some of the uh, promotion behind him, right? And I think they need to slow the fuck down and develop this kid. Because he does have tools, but there's a lot of shit to clean up there. A lot. So it's good that these last two fights have gone to distance. That is what he needs. Anytime I see a prospect being promoted and developed as the next knockout machine, right? And he's KOing everybody. And he's got a 20-fight KO streak. He's destroying everyone. Great. That's going to fuck that kid over in the end. Every single time. And I'm even going to include Mike Tyson in on this. Mike Tyson was seen as this, and still is, this heavyweight destroyer that just mowed down everybody. He was fighting cans his first 20 fights or whatever it was. Now, the only difference is he was fighting like it felt like once a month. So he was doing it quickly. He wasn't milking it, right, and fighting three or four times a year against cans. But when he finally, if you look at Tyson's fights against the absolute elite he wasn't this bruising power puncher, 
Okay. The difference is with Tyson, there was skills and craft and quickness and all this stuff. And he was an explosive puncher. Don't get me wrong, but they marketed him as this destroyer. And that's why it was so shocking when people saw Buster Douglas beat him. And even when he went the distance with some guys, I think Tony Tubbs, who went to distance and some other guys, it was almost shocking for people to see this. But it, when you fight the absolute best, that's what happens. So um, I, I think that top rank and, and ESPN didn't do this kid any favors with that 16 fight streak where he was just destroying dudes in a round. And some of those fights, it really was just a ref stoppage. Some of those stoppages, remember that? So now he's having to develop. Okay. And let's see where he goes from here. Let's not give up on him quite yet. Okay. There's still, again, there are tools there to work with. Okay. Um, let's get to the pay-per-view undercard. Jared Anderson, 10 and 0 now out of Toledo, Ohio. He is America's great heavyweight hope. This kid looks like he's got something. He went up against a, I'm not going to say a tested Russian, but a well-traveled Russian fighter, a well-traveled, well-schooled Russian fighter. This wasn't a can that they just brought in from the middle of nowhere. Uh, Vladimir Tereshkin is a guy I talked about this last week. He has fought in like six or seven different countries, okay? So he's traveled. He's He's been around. And for Anderson to just plow through him the way he did, this kid's got something. So top rank really has something in Jared Anderson. I hope they develop him the right way and don't try to rush into a heavyweight title fight. Develop this kid and get him. I, I really would not mind seeing him get five, six more fights for real before we even entertain the thought of trying to get into a mandatory position. Okay. If this kid fights 10 more times before he fights for a title, I'm good with it. So long as he's fighting at least four times a year, develop this kid. Also on this card, Robert Hellenius scores a sixth-round stoppage win. It was a disqualification over Adam Kovnachi. Uh, this, of course, was scheduled for 10 rounds. It was a rematch of their first fight uh, last March in Brooklyn, which Hellenius won. And look, the outcome of this fight was never in question. Hellenius controlled the action. Uh, Kovnachi came in lighter. He was 265 for the first fight, 258 for the second fight. So he took it serious. This wasn't an Andy Ruiz situation, right? He came in, he really, really wanted this. He's just not on that level. And style-wise, Hellenius is just all wrong for him. Uh, Kovnachi does not know how to work against a taller fighter like that that has some skills and knows how to lean on him, rough him up on the inside, do certain things. And Hellenius, I got to give him credit. Several years ago, it looked like it was absolutely over for this guy. Now, would I say he's an elite-level heavyweight or anything? No, but he's done enough now to put himself in talks, you know, as a top 10 heavyweight with this win over the Polish heavyweight uh, from New York. And he's done it twice. You know, he left no doubt. The disqualification, by the way, came because um, Kavnachi kept going low, excessive low blows. It was uh, reminiscent because it was, it was you, know, you think of a New York guy, right? And then I think of Bo and Golada. I want to say one of those fights, or maybe both were in New York. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, it involved a Polish fighter getting disqualified for low blows, right? So we saw that. So it was kind of fun. It was kind of a trip just to remember those fights. But uh, Kavnachi, it kind of looked like he wanted a way out in this one, you know? So in the uh, co-main, Frank Sanchez with the unanimous decision win over F.A. Ajagba. Ajagba takes his first loss. And look, I I'm a little disappointed in Ajagba. I know he hasn't looked good recently. 
I know he was another guy built up as, wow, this guy's such a huge puncher. Oh my God, he's just destroying everyone. Look at the guys he was fighting. I would beat some of the guys he was fighting. If I could beat them, he should be KOing them in a round or two, right? So, uh, you know, once he stepped up just a little bit, he looked a little vulnerable. But I thought, look, Top Rank brought him on. So they saw something in him. They're develop developing him. And I just thought he'd have enough size and strength and athleticism against Sanchez. I I picked a jog by the win. And I thought it's probably going the distance and maybe the, the decision will be controversial, but I just thought he had enough. Just doesn't. He just doesn't have the skill set at heavyweight. Uh, Frank Sanchez from the Cuban school, those guys know how to box, okay? And he can box. And skill set wise, obviously on another level, I just expected a little more explosiveness and athleticism from a Jagba to maybe wear down the Cuban or something because I knew Sanchez really didn't hit hard. Uh, but this was a pretty one-sided fight. Sanchez dropped the Jagba in the seventh, could not close the show, but pretty much won eight, I would say, of the 10 rounds of this fight. He's now 19-0. and 0. He's not a huge puncher, definitely doesn't have a finisher's mentality, but he's a legit interesting contender because of the skill set. And if it's the right matchmaking, he could give anybody a tough night at the office on any given night. So uh, Jagba has nothing but a big right hand. It sounds familiar. And uh, he, the difference between him and someone like Wilder, let's say, is Wilder just more explosive, longer, more athletic, and has a little more substance to him. Jagba just isn't the guy, man. He got exposed early on in his career, right, as he was developing it's just not a lot there. And maybe I'll be proven wrong, but maybe they can develop him or something. Maybe this will be a great learning lesson and he can take this and improve and show us something. But as it is right now, just not seeing it, guys. Just not seeing it there with uh, Mr. Jagba. All right, let's talk about this main event. So Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, for the third time, they do it. And this one, was the most exciting of the three fights, especially the first four or five rounds. Uh, but I've watched this fight three times now. Okay. Wilder down in the third, 10th, and 11th for good. He was night-night in the 11th. Fury down twice in the fourth round. The second knockdown, I tweeted that it was from a push, not saying that it was illegal. What I meant to say in that tweet was that it wasn't really a punch that put him down. Fury was so dazed from the first knockdown that he still just kind of fell on his own. It just took a little push to put him down the second time. So the second knockdown wasn't as if uh, he got clipped again. Wilder clipped him that first time. And, and to be fair, Wilder just stepped back and threw a one-two. And it was a short one-two. It wasn't a fully extended one. And Fury just got cocky in that fourth round because he had put Wilder down in the third, put his hands down, stopped moving his head, kind of threw his chin up in the air and walked right into his right hand and it put him down on his ass. And it took him a couple minutes to get it, you know, his legs back. But to Fury's credit, when he got up in that fourth round, and there was still plenty of time for Wilder to work. I want to say there was half a round left. He was able to make Wilder miss a dozen or so times after that and pretty much slip everything Wilder threw, get his legs back, clear himself, get back to the corner, get 60 seconds. And then in my card, he came out and won the fifth round. I think one of the judges gave Wilder the fifth round, but to me, that was that was a fury round. Now, after that 
fourth, fifth round where things were really exciting and, and even at that point as a fight in terms of points, I thought this turned into a very one-sided fight. It was exciting. It was dramatic because you just didn't know with Deontay Wilder. Could he pull a rabbit out of the hat and land another big shot? Would Fury get stupid and cocky again and just walk right into something? Because to be clear, Wilder didn't land this crazy, explosive, well-set-up punch in the fourth to drop Fury. Fury was stupid and walked right in and got clipped. So it was more of Fury messing up than Wilder doing something different, okay? Wilder did come out in the first round to his credit and jab well to the body. He didn't do it very fundamentally sound, but he did have a nice stick to the body. It looked to me like Fury kind of took the first round off and let Wilder do what he wanted to do a little bit just to see what he had. But then Fury went to work in that second round. When he dropped Wilder in the third, that fight could have been over right there if Fury was a more explosive, devastating puncher. But he's just not. He's an arm puncher and a slapper. But he's a 280-pound arm puncher and slapper uh, who has pretty good defense and knows how to use his body and get leverage on everything he does and wear guys down. So uh, let me get back to, okay, a couple things. Fourth round, long count. This is going to be the new conspiracy theory from the Wilder nuts, right? And this Andre Ward is kind of to blame for this because during the broadcast, Andre Ward screamed, you know, during the round and after the round, those were two long counts because Russell Mora, who I thought overall did a pretty damn good job. And look, we've beat up on Russell Mora in the past because he's had some bad nights. Let's give him credit here. He did a pretty good job in this fight. And he had a lot of work to do. He had two giant men in there, and there was a lot of grappling and grappling and mauling. And he did a good job, I felt, in breaking them up. What Russell Moore was doing with the counts, and he did the same thing for Wilder the three times, well, the first two times he was down, I should say. The third time he called the fight off. But in the third and the tenth round, took his time with the count, yes. But then when Wilder got up, same thing with Fury. When the fighter got up, he had them hold, you know, move their uh, move a certain way, come to him. He, he gave him a few commands, and they, they ended up being essentially 15 second count. Now, the fighters were on their feet by the count of 10, but they got five, maybe even more seconds after that to recover. And he did the same thing consistently with Wilder and Fury. I thought there was absolutely zero controversy to the counts. And for Andre Ward, whose commentary was quite biased on this night, I thought Andre Ward and Brian Kenny were not very good. They didn't have a good night at the office. I thought Lennox Lewis, surprisingly, did the best of the three, who's usually not the best. Uh, and I love Lennox as a human being, but just isn't very good on the mic. But he probably did the best. He was the least biased with his commentary uh, Saturday night. Anyway, uh, Andre Ward, for him to get all upset and make a big point of what happened in the fourth the way he did, kind of revealed a little bit of bias. Also, a couple times um, when they showed the commentators um, in between rounds or they showed them reacting to the knockdowns, you'll see Lennox and Brian Kenny jumping up for both fighters when they scored knockdowns. Oh, look at that, getting excited. Andre Ward only got excited when Fury went down. If you look at his reaction when Wilder went down, he kind of pouts and puts his head down. Uh, so Andre Ward's a little biased with his commentary. 
towards credit, when the fight was over, he gave full credit and respect due to Fury and did a very solid job uh, in the post-fight. I thought Andre Ward did a very solid job in the post-fight. But the commentary, a little bit biased during the fight. Um, so I had to bring that up. The long count conspiracy is absolute nonsense. And I could do a video where I show all the knockdowns and put a timer next to it. Like we really could do that, but you guys know those are already coming. There's probably already a bunch of kids doing those out there. It really doesn't matter that for a millionth time, the 10 count is not necessarily an exact science where it's exactly 10 seconds. It is up to the ref's discretion to do a count. You're supposed to be up by 10 and whether you're up at two or nine and a half, if he feels you're ready to go, you go. If he feels you're not ready to go, he waves the fight off. So what Russell Mora decided he was going to do, and he gave the fighters instructions in the locker rooms before the fight, is, hey, when you get up, I'm going to give you a command. Step to the left, step to the right, come forward, put your hands up. Whatever it is, uh, I'm going to give you commands to make sure you're with it and you know what's going on. It's not enough to just get up. And you see more and more referees doing this because more commissions have decided this is the way to go. It ends up giving a fighter sometimes 20 seconds after being knocked down to recover. So in that respect, I don't love it, but it is a way for the ref to do a more complete assessment of the fighter to decide if they can continue. Now, I didn't think Mora did anything inappropriate there. Again, I think he did a good job. Um, what I noticed, Wilder was a little mentally and emotionally fatigued pretty early on in this fight. He looked ripped. He looked in shape. I personally thought it was a mistake to come in heavier. I talked about that, the little video I did on Friday, uh, Friday evening after the weigh-in. I think he came in, what, seven pounds heavier? And of course, it's all muscle. Wilder's ripped. He has no fat on him. So he was in very good physical shape. But this fight for Deontay Wilder and his uh, cult and his followers, this was not about boxing. This was about something other than boxing for them. And Wilder put so much pressure on himself and so much weight on himself because the magnitude of what this was in his eyes, in his mind. For Fury, this was about boxing. This was just a boxing match. And he was defending his titles. For Deontay Wilder, it was something else. For him and his followers, his parishioners, this was something else. And so you could see the weight of that starting to have an effect on him in that third round, fourth round, fifth round. He was gasping for air and exhausted. Now, Fury was doing some things too to cause that exhaustion. But for an athlete so well-conditioned to be so exhausted after just a few rounds of work, including a round or two that you won and did quite well in, that was interesting to see. And it showed you it's not just about physical preparation. It's about mental state, mental preparation, emotional preparation, and deep down inside, knowing the truth. There are certain truths Tyson Fury knew coming into this fight, and there are certain truths Deontay Wilder knew coming into this fight. Whether Whatever they said out loud, publicly, vocally, doesn't really matter. They know what the truth is inside. And Deontay knew certain things. And you could see that all weighing on him. Now, to Wilder's credit, to take all of that and continue taking an absolute ass whooping for six more rounds. And let's be clear, 
This was a one-sided fight from the fifth, sixth round on. This two-way back and forth, Foreman-Lyle kind of battle, or even a Klitschko-Joshua kind of battle that the commentators were telling you it was, that's not what I saw. Did Wilder have a couple of moments? Yeah. But guys, we're going to look at the punch stats in a little bit, because I know you love punch stats. But Deontay Wilder did not outland Tyson Fury in any round, in any category. Jabs, power punches, body punches. Did not outland Fury in any category, in any round, in this entire fight. Even the rounds he won, even the fourth round. The fourth round might be the one exception, sorry. But even the first round, which a lot of people thought Wilder won, he did not land Fury. I think it was even in terms of total punches landed. So this, this two-way back and forth battle, when you look at sixth round on, the punch numbers were very, very one-sided in every category. So what I saw was one guy winning the rounds clearly and using his size to bully the smaller guy who was faster, more explosive, more athletic, yes. But the bigger guy being craftier and smarter and way more relaxed, using that to wear down the other guy. And so that's Fury, right? Doing that good work. And I saw Wilder desperately wanting to exercise some demons from that rematch. And maybe some of the excuses he had made that he refused to talk about publicly, right? The, the management at PBC refused to let Tyson Fury or any of the media address those things during fight week. Anytime it Kate came up, Kate Abdo would deflect and change to another subject. It was not allowed. During the first press conference, Wilder wore headphones, right? So, so mentally, he just did not want to go there. But you could see it was, it was live right there for him in the ring Saturday night. And he was dealing with those demons. And he did that in his own way. Staying on his feet, continuing to push, continuing to fight, continuing to punch and try his, his the absolute, the hardest he could. That was his way of standing up as a man and exercising those demons. And he does deserve credit for it. He deserves credit for being a tough, a tough motherfucker with a ton of heart and pushing back as much as he could. Every single ounce of Deontay Wilder's ability he got out Saturday night. Now, all that being said, it wasn't enough to win a round after the fourth. It just wasn't. And if Tyson Fury wasn't a sloppy slapper of an arm puncher and actually would step back and shoot a one-two hard and straight like an Anthony Joshua, a Dillian White, a Joseph Parker, even an Andy Ruiz, an Alexander Usyk, I could keep going. All those guys would have got rid of Deontay Wilder in that particular fight, in that particular situation, seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, he was ready to go after the sixth round. And I'm not trying to diss Fury because Fury clearly won this fight. He's the best heavyweight in the world. Yes, he's above Alexander Usyk right now. But Fury, the one thing he doesn't have is elite level fight-changing power as a heavyweight. And I'm not saying that as a diss. Because I, I tweeted about that, and a bunch of the Fury fanatics went crazy, saying, oh, my God, he's look, he just knocked out Wilder. That's power. Dude, no. Stop. There's a difference between wearing a guy down with your weight and all that and bullying him 
wearing him down and getting him out of there. And there's a difference between boom, boom, and getting him out of there with two hard shots and it's night, night. That's not what Fury did. Okay. So for his size, he doesn't have elite level power. Does that mean he can't knock out top fighters? No, he's proven he can. He's never going to knock out somebody on Vladimir Klitschko's level. He didn't do that when they fought. I don't think he would knock out guys like Lennox Lewis and, and um, Evander Holyfield, like that level of fight. He's not going to knock those guys out. But in this division, guys like Anthony Joshua, guys like Deontay Wilder, he's going to be able to possibly knock them out. Does that mean he does it every time? No, of course not. But he might be able to, right? Um, for what it's worth, I think Anthony Joshua would go the distance with Fury 99 times out of 100. That's just the way I see it. But um, I missed the super chat. Let me get back to that. Because, oh, Justin S. with the super chat. Thank you, Justin. He says, uh, Sanchez versus Ortiz, battle of the quote-unquote 30-year-old Cubans. Yeah, Sanchez, that dude looks 45, for real. That dude looks older than me. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that fight. Make it happen. Why not? PBC special. Although, Sanchez is with PBC. Yeah, why, why not make that happen? That would be good. Um, okay, what? I want to make sure I hit everything. I know a couple of you guys are on the line. I promise I'm going to get to you. I want to make sure I got everything here that I wanted to hit. Um, okay, real quick, I have to address this. Deontay Wilder after the fight. I tweeted about this. I immediately got a reaction. I pulled back. Okay, I retracted. After the fight, Tyson Fury goes over to Deontay Wilder. And I'm not going to give all the quotes. You guys have probably seen the quotes. You just go to Tyson. There's a bunch of quotes. That interviews are out there, okay? But he goes up to Deontay Wilder, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically just says, hey, man, I just want to give you respect. Great fight. That kind of a thing. Wanting to go over there, give him a hug, and just kind of be like, hey, man, this is over now. Let's move on. We're brothers. We've been battling in the ring for the last three years. It's been really, really heavy. Right, it's been really thick. Let's drop, let's squash this shit. I love you, man. First round's on me. You know, it was that kind of feel from Fury after all the accusations. I mean, basically, Wilder accused him of attempted murder. Right, he let all that go and came over to give him a pound and say, "Hey, man, great fight." And Deontay basically told him to go fuck himself in so many words. For now, let me give two thoughts. My immediate reaction to that is. I understand you don't want to stay and do a post-fight interview. I understand you're on your way out of the ring to go get checked out medically because you're concussed and you just got beat down hard and you need to get checked out and go to the hospital. Totally get that. I don't care if you do a post-fight interview. No issue with that at all. But if somebody comes over to you and embraces you as, as a brother after everything you've been through, all the animosity, and after all of that, you still told, tell them to go get fucked. That's classless. And that reveals a character flaw. Okay. And this isn't me beating up on Deontay Wilder as a human being or anything else. It just shows that there's something fragile about this dude. There's something in him somewhere that's insecure and fragile. And now that's my first feel. I tweet that out. Ishe Smith, who I respect tremendously, responded and said, Look, man, this dude's just been through a crazy emotional event. He's concussed. And again, I'm paraphrasing. You guys will see Ishe's tweets. And a couple other people responded. And I didn't really care about the other people's response. But when I saw Ishe's, I was like, all right, let me listen. Because Ishe's a good dude. And he basically said, man, give him a pass. He's just been through a hello crazy event. Emotional. He's hurting. 
he's in a, he's in a bad place right now. Give him a pass. And I was like, okay, Ishe, you're right. So at that point I pulled back and I actually deleted my first tweet. Cause my first tweet was like, man, what, what is this? You know? And I just, I just deleted the tweet. I took a breath, watched the fight again and tweeted the following day. Um, basically saying, let's give Deontay a pass on this for right now. Let's exercise patience and understanding, but I really hope the media follows up. And a week or two from now, if Deontay Wilder hasn't addressed this, I really think people should at least ask questions. Now, does this mean Deontay Wilder is a terrible human being? Does this mean he's, he has no class and he's just a horrible guy. He's going to burn in hell for all of eternity. No, he just doesn't like Tyson Fury and that's okay. But again, to me, it reveals a flaw somewhere in him where he's just kind of soft somewhere. He's a little fragile. A bigger man would just be like, yeah, dude, I got you. Great fight, man. You're the better man tonight. Cool. Even if I don't like you, I can give you that much, right? Because of what we just did together. Uh, for him to not be able to do that, and I wouldn't have a problem with it, except for the last year and a half, literally what Deontay Wilder did, okay? And it's not just his parishioners, but him, himself. He accused Tyson Fury of attempted murder. He accused the Nevada State Athletic Commission of collusion in attempted murder. He accused his former trainer, Mark Breland, of collusion, aiding and abetting attempted murder. Yet, by the way, he had no issue going right back to Nevada for this fight and going right back to a fight with Fury, right? He had no issue with any of that, despite the um, accusations of attempted murder. But slandering the character of a man like Mark Breland, who helped get Deontay, who, let's be honest, one-trick pony. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but he came to boxing late, one-trick pony, big right hand, tremendous heart, big right hand. That's what he's got. Little else, right? Mark Breland took that and built it into a multi-millionaire fighter that, yeah, a little smoke and mirrors, a little protected, a little built up, fine, but that's the business. There's a million fighters we could talk about like that, right? Hello, fucking Paul brothers. Hello, right? Okay. So, so you know, not that I compare Deontay to the Paul brothers, but Mark Breland did that for him. And to slander that man and throw him under the bus the way he did, it's one thing to talk shit about your opponent, whatever that happens, but not Mark Breland. And I've shit on the Nevada State Athletic Commission when they fuck things up. Hey, I, I've got right in their face. But do I really believe that they colluded with Tyson Fury and loaded gloves and all this stuff to help murder Deontay Wilder? Fuck no. If anything, Nevada did everything it could do to protect Deontay Wilder in the last couple fights, including this fight. Because let's be honest, had it been anybody else, the fight probably would have been stopped several rounds earlier than it was, right? So this commission bent over backwards to help and protect Deontay Wilder in certain situations, and he still shat upon them. So all that, you take all that into account and then go to last Saturday night when D uh, Tyson Fury comes over to him and tries to give him a hug and say, hey, man, it's all good, you know, good fight. And Deontay tells him to go get fucked. Yeah, I kind of got an issue with that because if you're going to talk all that shit and you're going to try to make a race war out of this whole thing and everything else with your parishioners and make this really heavy, thick mood, the tension and all that, which helped make the fight great. 
to help make the promotion great. But if it all was just part of the promotion, he certainly, Wilder certainly wouldn't be the first fighter to do that, to build up a fight. If that's all it was, dude, then when the fight's all over, okay, cool. Bernard Hopkins, after losing to Joe Calzaghe, gave him his props, right? And, and Bernard Hopkins said some disgusting things in the lead up to that fight. But it was part of promoting the fight. That's all B-Hop was doing. You know why I know that? Because when the fight was over, he gave Calzaghe a bunch of credit, right? And there's a million examples of this I can point to. But in this particular situation, Deontay was still holding on to something, which just tells me there's a little bit of a character flaw there. And is it something I'm losing sleep over? Is it something that offended me? Is it something where I go, why I never? And, you know, no, I don't give a fuck. It doesn't offend me. All I'm saying is, if this happened in reverse, if Tyson Fury had spent the last year and a half accusing Deontay Wilder of attempted murder and then pulled this stunt after this fight, the media and boxing Twitter would be shitting down his throat right now. And you all know I'm telling the truth. I'm going to get shit for saying this. Twitter's going to blow up and beat the shit out of me all week for it. But it's the truth. You know it's the truth. That's my issue. That's my issue. All right. Have I covered everything I wanted to cover? Oh, last thing I want to talk about. Last thing. Um, people talked about the corner for Deontay Wilder. How could Malik Scott not stop this fight? What the fuck do you think Malik was doing there? Malik Scott was brought in to let Deontay Wilder die in the ring. It's like I said before, this wasn't a boxing match to Wilder. This was something bigger than that for him and his parishioners. He was willing to die in that ring. And I believe that 100%. And Malik Scott signed a contract in his mind to allow that to happen. That's what Malik was doing there. Now, to his credit, Malik got Deontay in great physical shape. And I like to stick to the body early on. But as soon as Deontay got hit, all that went out the window and he reverted back to instincts, right? It is what it is. Um, also, there are people saying Tyson Fury fought dirty. Oh, he pushed Wilder. He leaned on him. He threw punches to the side of the head. He clubbed with his punches. First of all, did you not see Wilder do all that shit? Have you not watched any Deontay Wilder fights against all the guys that he did that to for years? It's part of boxing, especially when you're a heavyweight with long ass arms. Um, also, that was how Tyson Fury was going to win this fight. And a lot of people, I think, are getting pissed off because for years, and I mean decades, American fighters like Muhammad Ali, to stick with heavyweights, but more recently, Bernard Hopkins, Floyd Mayweather, use tricks like that all the time. Andre Ward, forearms, elbows, shoulders, headbutting. Hello. Evander Holyfield, right? Mike Tyson was really pissed at Evander Holyfield for using that head, but he kept using it. All those little tricks, all that nasty little stuff that foreign quote-unquote fighters didn't do before, right? They were just straight up and down with just one, two, and that was it, right? Well, guess what? The world caught up. So now these guys from Latin America, Eastern Europe, the UK, Africa, Asia, they're doing that shit too. They caught on. They're being taught in their gyms now, in those parts of the world. Yeah, if you're the taller guy, lean on your dude. Put your forearm and push that dude back. Give yourself space with the forearm, then shoot the uppercut. Don't just back up. Push that dude forward with your forearm, right? Get your head off the line and lean on that dude. Put some weight on his legs. They're learning that stuff now. 
So they're going to come over here and start doing it back to the American fighters who have been doing it forever, right? If you were good with B-Hop doing it and Floyd doing it, then you got to be good with Tyson Fury doing it, right? So some of you, like the stuff I'm seeing on Twitter and people being so outraged at some of the tactics Fury used, what the fuck did you think he was going to do? And go back and watch Ali's career. And look at the stuff he did. It's, it's part of boxing history. And it's smart for a fighter to use what they have to their advantage in a fight. Why wouldn't you? Let the ref take a point. Let the ref warn you. Russell Moore, to his credit, did warn Tyson Fury a couple of times. And he actually warned Wilder at least once that I remember. So Moore did his thing by warning them. But both fighters kept doing what they were doing. That's the way it's supposed to be done. There was nothing controversial about this fight, guys. Nothing. If anything, the only controversial item was that Deontay Wilder was left out there to take an absolute beating for several rounds that he didn't need to beat. He needed that in his mind to exercise the demons that I talked about, right? But other than that, he like that's the only controversy here is that the fight went on maybe a couple more rounds than it really needed to. And I get it. Wilder was punching back and everything. Fury was just walking through those punches, just walking through them. There was nothing on him after the first half of the fight. Uh, but Wilder is always dangerous. I, I hear you. By the way, I told you guys to bet the over. A few of you actually listened to me and you made some cash. So next time I see you at the fights, guess who owes me a beer? All right. Um, I think I hit all the items I want to hit in my review. Let's jump to the phones for a while. Again, guys, we're going to keep these short and sweet. All right, because last week people bitched that we were uh, going too long with these phone calls. So we got Philly on the line. Uh, they've been on for a while. So let's jump here to this Philly call. Uh, 267. 267, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike, it's Otto. Otto, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm going to try to keep this short, sweet, and simple. Um, so with this whole Deontay Wilder thing, I honestly, and maybe I'm being a little extreme, I think he needs to be shunned from boxing. Because as of right now, if I'm a guy like Andy Ruiz or Anthony Joshua, and I saw all the accusations that were placed about Tyson Fury, is that something I really want to deal with? We're not talking accusing of cheap shots, a lucky shot, um, steroid usage. We're talking attempted murder here, right? So as of right now, I would write Deontay Wilder off. If I'm a promoter, I want nothing to do with him. I ain't touched him. However, I think there is a road to redemption, right? So what Wilder needs to do is fire everyone. I'm talking Malik Scott, Jay Diaz, all the way up to his manager, Finkel. Why? Hmm. Because they all enabled this behavior. They all gassed him up and said, yeah, he did try to kill you. That's right. They uh, he was he was out to uh, murder you. He did drug your water and the commission. And it's a big conspiracy against you. And not one of them, not one of them, stepped in at any point and was like, you know what, Deontay? Part of my French, but no one said, just shut the fuck up and train for the fight. Nobody did, yeah. right? So fire everyone, managers, trainers, who works. Step two, he needs to personally. Visit Mark Freeland and Tyson Fury and sincerely apologize. And I'm not talking like this bull 
bull crap that uh, Malik Scott's pulling out, you know, on Instagram trying to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to take the high road. I know we uh, accused you of attempted murder and whatnot, but, you know, ah, good game. You know, you got one over on us. No, like sincerely go to these men that you made these accusations against and apologize. And until then, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder can kick rocks. In my opinion, he belongs on the opening fight on a Jake Paul card now. Oh, damn. All right. And that, that that's it for my rant. I just had to get that off my chest. All right, Otto. It's a brutal, but. All right. All right, man. Take it easy, Mike. You too. Well, that, that's going to that's gonna piss some people off. Look, I, I think to put this into perspective, okay, um, the last – this really goes before the rematch with Fury, okay? Uh, this goes back several years. Wilder has said some divisive, nasty stuff, and a lot of people loved it. Right, his fans and his supporters, I call them his parishioners. And to be clear, a lot of Deontay Wilder fans are just boxing fans. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the crazy ones, right? Which is the minority of his fan base. It is. But they're also the loudest. That's why I call them his parishioners. And every popular fighter has them. There are insane Tyson Fury fans. I call them the Fury fanatics. They're whack. They're batshit. Most Tyson Fury fans are just boxing fans, right? But there's a handful of them that are fucking nuts. Same with Wilder's call, uh, some of Wilder's fans. But outside of that small group of parishioners, a lot of people really just were rubbed the wrong way by Wilder and his shit. And again, if you're talking trash about your opponent during the buildup of a fight, man, we're used to that. That's cool. That's part of it. That's part of boxing. But to, to, to trash Mark Breland the way you did, to not be accountable and responsible for your, your L and taking it like a man, to still not give this dude Tyson Fury credit now that it's all over, right? Um, that's going to rub some people the wrong way. And Otto, who just called, is one of them, right? Now, you may disagree. It's okay. We can all disagree. But clearly, Otto is a boxing fan that was just rubbed the wrong way by all this and is, is not just going to give Wilder a blind pass, which a lot of people are doing. Again, what I will say personally for me I'm not losing sleep over any of this shit. Um, but I just don't like double standards and I don't like, I think that there are people out there. I get earlier this. Okay. Last week, real quick, I'm going to jump back to the phone calls, but last week, Bob Aram went off at a press conference and he ripped into Mike Coppinger. And a lot of people really didn't mind that because people kind of saw Mike as needing to get his comeuppance. Right. But he ripped into, uh, Kate Abdo, not to her face, but, um, just said some nasty stuff about her that really pissed off some people in the media and rubbed people the wrong way. Again, I'll use that expression. In the same week, Deontay Wilder said something about um, Christina Poncher that was equally as offensive. If you're looking to be offended, if you're one of those kind of people looking to be offended, equally as offensive about Christina Poncher. And maybe I would argue at least more sexist. And just got a complete pass. There are even members of the media that defended his words, not directly, but in an indirect way, defended his words. And there just seems to be this kid gloves treatment of this guy. 
And when you treat Deontay Wilder the same way you treat anybody else and hold him to the same standards you'd hold anybody else to, there are certain people, there's a certain element of the boxing fan base and boxing media that goes after you for that. And I just don't understand it because uh, for me, it, it's like anyone, anyone's, no one's above criticism. Anyone can be criticized, you know? And I don't know. I, I just, I see a little protection and it's like, man, just, let's just tell it like it is. Let's just tell the truth about what's going on. Um, you don't have to feel like auto feels, you know, I, do I think Deontay Wilder belongs on the opening of a Jake Paul undercard? No, I, I think Deontay Wilder, there's still several interesting fights. I would like to see Wilder against Anthony Joshua. Should Usyk beat him again? I'd still love to see that fight. I'd like to see Wilder against Andy Ruiz. I think that'd be a fun fight. Wilder against um, Dillian White. I know that won't happen because of the mandatory situation for Fury, but I'd love to see that fight. So I'd still want to see Wilder in some other fights. I just don't think Wilder's as good as some people in the American media. Brian Kenny during this broadcast said Deontay Wilder is one of the hardest punchers in heavyweight history. I'm like, dude, really? Really? Look at the guys he KO'd when he stepped up and fought the best. He dropped him a few times, and Fury's been chinny. Fury has been buzzed and dropped by cruiserweights, okay? Fury doesn't have an iron chin, and he walks into punches sometimes. He gets lazy. Fury did nice him. Fury had this dude halfway knocked the fuck out in the fourth round and couldn't finish him. I'm sorry, Wilder had Fury halfway done in the fourth round and couldn't finish him. If you're one of the biggest punchers in heavyweight boxing history, that don't happen. That don't happen. All right, back to the phones we go, because now they're lining up. All right, guys, we're going to keep these short. All right, uh, I think this is Rich, 847. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike, yeah, it's me. How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good, man. I'll just give you a quick call, and because uh, they would finally uh, get a hold of you on your um, – wasn't able to get a hold of you on your prior calls or your shows. Um no man, uh, first of all, congratulations on the um, on your win. I know I haven't really told Thank you, you personally on, on the tweets I have, but on the actual um, your win, you do look good, and um, let's uh, hopefully you do it again. I'll you know if you're doing our amateur or pro fight, but um, thanks, man. Whenever that comes about, yeah, I'll definitely be checking it out. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, to the to the Wilder Fury uh, fight uh, definitely was. Um, a, a really good fight, I would say. Action packed, um, better better than I expected. Yeah. And um, but I I really did feel that's why I I was leaning towards a Fury late stoppage or decision because I really did feel that Wilder was going to really bring everything that he had, and and he did, and he showed uh, absolutely tremendous heart in the fight. Man, I have to give him like a lot of credit and. Even in prior fights, I've seen you. He puts he puts it all together, and he'll give it his best. And I really felt he was because he was just embarrassed in, in that second fight. You know, that's why he came up with all these excuses. So I really thought he was gonna give it his best. Um, the the weight gain for um, Wilder, the two thirty eight. I I thought I just kind of like you. I thought that was a mistake too. I yeah. thought he just had uh, a little bit too much muscle. Too heavy. Um, yeah, it seemed like more of it. I think the tension was just kind of carrying the extra weight, you know, maybe to kind of push off theory if, you know, when theory, theory would like lean on them. But honestly, I think the lower the weight um, for water would have suited him better. I think maybe a little, 
maybe also more, he probably would have had more in the gas tank because, you know, like for the late rounds, it was pretty much Fury dominating him. Yes. It was just a matter every round. It was kind of like, hey, when, when's Wilder going to go out? He's, like I said, he was taking the beating. You know, after after round six, round five, even though he looked unsteady early on, but he still, you know, had enough power in round four to drop, to drop Fury. Um, and I, like I said, it was more like, like you said, a mistake of him just walking into that, that right hand. But because of that, I mean, it just provided the excitement and drama of the fight, which made it very, very exciting. And for me, I, I still like to see Wilder fight like the guys you just mentioned, like Andy Reese or, um, you know, Anthony Joshua, whoever that may be. And I still think they'll be entertained fights. But I don't think, I, after this, I don't think Wilder's going to be the same fighter anymore. Agreed. In my opinion. Agreed. I just, I don't, I don't think he's going to be the same fighter. You know, he got um, stopped uh, two times and I just, I don't think he's going to, you know, have a big win against any of the top guys. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he could just, when he comes back, he takes on another um, lesser opponent and see what happens. Then, then those guys, uh, the comeback fight, which I think would be the wise decision to do. Um, as far as Tyson, Tyson Fury, yeah, he, you know, he's proven that he is the, the man of the heavyweight division. Um, he was, he was very impressive. You know, weight gain for Wilder or not, I think just, Regardless, based on the two fights, while I mean, Theory already had his numbers to begin with, in, in my opinion. So, um, I think he just um, this this sealed the trilogy. It's over. It was a good fight, and I just want to point out real quick, it was a really good fight. But um, I'm going to step it back and say I don't think there's going to be a fight of the year candidates, and this probably most likely will win fight of the year. But I think there's other fights that were just as better as that as this one. So I yes. think a lot of people kind of jumped on that. Um, I, I personally still like the Estrada and uh, Gonzalez fight earlier this year. Much better fight. Because, um, you know, because um, I like more like when it's an intense battle going back and forth, but we see a lot of technical skill in there, you know. Um, Wilder Fury kind of lacked that, you know, the, the, the technical yeah. skill in that. Sometimes a lot of um, sloppiness in the fight. And uh, so I kind of look at more of that. I'm not saying that it's not a candidate, definitely right. a candidate. Right. But I think I, I like. My, there's other fights that were good, and then I saw something. I think it was on the social media where they were saying that um, I don't know which talk show it was, but they're saying like, "Oh, this could be like one of the top five all-time trilogies." And I'm just like, it's "Ridiculous!" I'm like that's that's pretty absurd. I mean, there's so many trilogies in boxing are just like w- way better than that. <laughs> just so I don't know. They just you know. Yeah, I gotta. No it's I gotta get going, Rich. I got a ton of calls, man. Uh, but I completely oh, okay. agree. Okay, no. No, okay, no, no. I just wanted to just, just get it out there. So, you know, I'll let you do your thing. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call, man. Thanks, Rich. Have a good one, brother. All right, man. After you too. Okay. Yeah, and to Rich's point, real quick, these guys fought 29 rounds. 29 rounds. Fury won at least 22 of them. Okay, let, let's focus on Wilder. If you really felt that the draw was just in the first fight, that means you felt Wilder won five rounds, okay? The most you could give Wilder in this fight, I I would argue, is two rounds, but let's give him three. If you were one of those guys that thought he won uh, the fifth, I I don't think he did, but some people out there thought he won the first, fourth, and fifth rounds. Okay, so that means Wilder won eight of 29 rounds that these two fighters shared. Eight 
of 29 rounds. When I look at the greatest trilogies in boxing history, and then there's even fighters that fought four or five, six times, right? When I look at those rivalries, the only one that's this one-sided is um, Robinson Lamada. And the only thing about that was Robinson couldn't stop Lamada. Lamada just had this iron chin, right? So they kept fighting and he couldn't stop him over. I, I think finally there was one where he stopped him. And then Lamada actually won one, legitimately won. It wasn't controversial. It wasn't a draw. It wasn't a gift. He won. So that was a one-sided rivalry, but they really were uh, just style-wise made for each other, right? Um, other than that, I'm, I'm trying to think of another rivalry that was so one-sided, yet there are people, there are fans and media trying to tell us it was one of the greatest rivalries ever. I'm just not seeing it that way. Um, I want to see Fury against, you know, the top guy in the division, whether it's Usyk or Joshua next year to completely unify this thing. On any given night, all of these guys can beat each other. That's the way I kind of see it. I don't see one guy as being clearly and decisively above the rest. I think Fury, at his best, if he's 100%, is clearly and decisively better than Wilder. But the entire rest of the division, I don't know about that. He was using performance-enhancing drugs in 2015 when he beat Vladimir Klitschko, at least earlier that year. Am I to believe he used steroids to fight Christian Hammer and didn't use steroids to fight Vladimir Klitschko later that same year, that just doesn't seem logical to me, people. So that one has an asterisk on it. And he had a chance to fight that rematch, and he jumped away. He found a way out of it. He went right to this rematch with Wilder and a third fight with Wilder. Why so confident to go back to fight Wilder, the guy who almost knocked you out in the first fight, but you didn't want to go back and fight Klitschko again? Uh, so, And I just bring this up, guys, to say, that this isn't me sucking off Fury here or beating the shit out of Wilder. What I'm saying is all these guys on any given night could probably beat each other. I want to see them all fight each other. I'm sick of the politics and the bullshit. Let them all fight each other so we can find out who the best truly is. I'm sick of trying to guess. We might have a situation now where next year we might see the two best heavyweights, un like undisputed two best heavyweights, right? Fight each other. That would be awesome. Super chat pledge from Toreen Falk. Thank you so much, man. He said, uh, Wilder needs to add deadlift squats and road work into his training. He has no stamina and got chicken legs. Brother, you ain't the first to say that. Um, Wilder does not really do road work. He does it here and there. I think he did it for this fight, but he doesn't put in the kind of road work you need to do for boxing, and he doesn't like jumping rope and stuff like that. He certainly doesn't do deadlifts and squats. We can all see that. Uh, some of that is genetic, you know, um, if you got long ass legs, they're going to be skinny because the legs, generally speaking, don't gain fat the way arms do and the way your trunk does and stuff. So uh, a guy built like him, and hey, I'm kind of built like Deontay. Not ex I'm not as beautiful as him, but I'm kind of built like him. My legs are bigger than his, but they are thin, you know, um, and it's easier for me to put muscle, noticeable muscle on my arms versus my legs. Um, my glutes build up real fast, but my legs don't especially my calves. So I, you know, I can feel Deontay's pain, but it's clear he don't do any of that stuff. He didn't need to do bench presses for this fight. He needed to do some fucking squats. He really needed to be doing some hard sparring and working on his craft. Super chat pledge from Carlos Gruyon. Thank you so much, Carlos. I appreciate it. He said, would you consider the fight a high-level fight? Yeah, I would. I would consider that it was a high-level fight, high-level heavyweight fight between two of the top five heavyweights in the world. Right now, Fury is clearly the number one guy. 
I still don't know where to rate Wilder. And here's why I say this. Other than Tyson Fury, he is yet to fight an elite level heavyweight, right? And there's only three of them, four of them, right? There's now it's Usyk, there's AJ, there's Fury. Are we going to consider Ortiz an elite level heavyweight? Guys, I've told you this before. The first time they fought, I talked to someone at the commission. They had not approved. They had not medically cleared Ortiz to fight. I'm talking Friday night before the fight. So PBC had to fly in another fighter. I think it was Charles Martin, but don't quote me. Ortiz was not cleared medically by the commission until Saturday morning. Okay, this is a guy that's on fucking blood pressure medication. And his best win is Bryant Jennings coming off a dominant loss to Vladimir Klitschko. That's Wilder's best win. I still don't know where to rate him. So I put him in the top five, but where he is in the top five, I can't tell you. I know he's not above Fury, Joshua, and Usyk. I know that. But um, anyway, still, all that being said, this was a high-level fight. Maybe not fought at a high level in terms of skill. I think the Joshua Usyk fight had much more skill and was much more, uh, there was more two-way action, although Usyk controlled the late rounds, of course, the championship rounds. But I actually saw Joshua make an adjustment in that fight. What was it, the fourth, fifth, sixth round? Him and his corner made an adjustment. There were zero adjustments from Wilder in this fight. His best round was actually the first round. He landed a good shot in the fourth, but that's because Fury fucked up and walked into it. It's not an adjustment Wilder made. His best round in this fight was the first round. Let's be clear about that. I, 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 Scoring-wise, of course, the fourth round. I'm talking about where he was actually doing some craft and science. Oh, I'm going to piss so many people off with this show. Papa Chubby Chubby with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. He says, Mike, can you talk about weight disparity in heavyweight? Look, man, that's part of heavyweight boxing. It is. But we just saw Alexander Usyk, who is outweighed, outmuscled, outstrength against Anthony Joshua and what did he do? Evander Holyfield. Now, yes, he had performance-enhancing drugs drugs helping him, but he was outmuscled and outstrength against uh, Bo, Riddick Bo, and look what he did. A heavyweight it just is what it is. 200 pounds and above, it is what it is, guys. And you're going to be in situations, look, Tyson Fury is a new animal. And I think he's going to inspire a new breed of heavyweight. We saw the super heavyweights come out with Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe, the Klitschko brothers, um, Anthony Joshua, Andrew Golada, you know, all those guys. And now I think, I don't know what to call Tyson Fury, the giant heavyweight boxers, I don't know what to call them, but he's gonna, there's gonna be a new breed of guys like him that are 6'8, 6'9, nearly 300 pounds, and know how to use their height and their weight. And maybe they don't punch super hard, and you could get underneath them and around them. But I'm just thinking Alexander Usyk against Fury, right? He's gonna he's gonna box circles around Fury for the most part. But anytime he gets inside, Fury ain't gonna back up. Fury's going to lean on that dude and push him down. And just can Usyk do that for 12 rounds? Me, I don't know. I just don't know. All right, back to the phones. We go. 570, you're on the show. What's up? 570. Speaking truth. Speaking truth, Mike. And uh, if, you're, if you're saying Wilder's top 10, I got to correct you on that. That's like saying uh, Spam is a top 10 steak you could buy, a choice cut of meat. <laughs> I could name about 10 guys off the top of my head that would, that would beat Wilder pretty handily. You can even you can go Joe Joyce, Otto Valine, Dylan White, Fury, um, Usyk, AJ, uh, even Daniel Dubois. I mean, you got a, a plethora of guys out there that that will do him. And Philip Hergovic. And um, what you're saying about super heavyweights, uh, Delovic, 
the uh, super heavyweight gold medalist. He's another guy to watch out for. Yeah. Six seven. He's a left-handed version of Klitschko, who maybe doesn't hit as hard as Vlad, but you know he's got that that style. So there's a lot of big guys coming up. But um, here's what I want to really get into. You definitely hit home on Andre Ward. Andre Ward is a stone cold fraud. I've been calling it for years. He has relationships with Jay Z and all these unsavory characters that really tell the, the, the story of, of what he is behind the scenes. But he brings it to the, uh, the forefront in a, in a sneaky way, clandestine way, and he was exposed with the, with the long count and the pouting um, that Fury beat his guy. He, he has a dog and pony in the race, if you know what I'm talking about. So, Andre Ward, you're a stone-cold fraud. People who, uh, who really give that guy too much credit, you're frauds too. Uh, next thing up, if, if you want to add anything, Mike, go ahead. <laughs> um, the, uh, the deal with, with Tyson Fury now and, their, and this trilogy and this legendary rivalry they're saying on ESPN and all these talking heads in the U.S. media, it's about as competitive uh, a rivalry as men and mice in a war. It, it, it's not, it, they're not equals. They're entertaining fights, just like Madonna versus Broner. Broner, that was one of my, <laughs> I love watching that fight because I, I think Broner got a proper ass whooping, just like Wilder. That was entertaining. The fight Saturday night was very entertaining for that reason. And I sat with a Wilder fan who was a class act, okay? He was a boxing fan first, so that made the difference, and a British guy. I actually got them to, uh, to chime in on your, uh, your podcast here, too. They're, they're going to start watching. I said, if you okay. like boxing, you got to get on. Cool. Uh, Mike Montero. Appreciate that. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's not a great trilogy, but the American media is so biased towards Wilder. Every which way, to the point where double standards are, are being shown, just like you brought up earlier. I don't want to rehash, but it's a point that needs to be made. This is what's bringing down our country. You know, it's these double standards and favoritism, and it only makes one side weaker. So people who are jumping on that bandwagon realize that, you know, you you get treated specially, then, then you get very, very complacent and you could, ex you expect special treatment. You don't work hard. Those people who get, you know, get beaten down and, and pushed down the ladder, they work harder to become great. And I think that's on full display. And, uh, you know, with, with the boxing, you definitely call the over. I tailed you on the over. I also took fury by knockout. And then the sixth, the, after the fourth round, the odds were uh, Fury like minus 150. I ran to the stand to put in a bet in live at the casino that I was watching the fight at. And I got Fury at minus 175 by the time I put it in. Because after Wilder hit him with the luckiest right hand I've seen, uh, I, and Fury got up and he closed the round, I knew the fight was over at that point. Wilder, in the pre-fight buildup with the 238 pounds, I said, look, Look at that body. He's got the traps, the steroid traps. He's got the HGH gut. It's not going to matter. If he doesn't knock Wilder out early or uh, Fury out early, he's going to gas. By sixth round, he's going to be totally gassed. And that's exactly what happened. So when people start talking about size, it matters. Yeah, it truly does. But at the heavyweight division, it really doesn't. We just saw two weeks ago, Usyk beat the bigger man. And, and in this, this case, you could say that Fury, he, does, he definitely has, a, has bigger bone structure than Wilder. But you yeah. could probably make a case that they have the same amount of muscle mass. Okay. Fury just That's has fair. softer muscle and a lot more flab. Yeah. yeah. But in boxing, there's a saying, uh, how does bodybuilding and lifting weights help a boxer? It either doesn't hurt you too much or it hurts you a lot. 
Okay. So lifting weights for boxing is absolutely asinine. Unless you're really building up testosterone by doing squats, power cleans, that kind of stuff, where it's mainly legs. But doing bench presses, barbell, like you, like people were saying, that's counterproductive. So, again, Wilder not only is stupid in the ring, he's stupid outside the ring, and the people supporting him are stupid outside the ring as well. All right, Dad, it's been five minutes. Thing, Mike, I got to get this. Five minutes. Jermel, Jermel, Jermel Charlo, okay, he deserves an apology, and so does Mark Breland, because they called out this bullcrap with Wilder, and all Wilder's fans crapped on him. Yeah. They deserve uh, recognition. Thanks, Mike. All right, Dad. Yeah, uh, props to Charlo. Um, if you guys, uh, I'm sure you saw it on Twitter, so it's no need to rehash it, but uh, Charlo pretty much called out the nonsense with Deontay Wilder, and he's he's been doing it for a while, um, and really got beat up by the Wilder parishioners. And he kind of uh, got redemption, you know, and so did Mark Breland a little bit. And Mark Breland is such a classy human being, just such a good guy. He didn't really say anything publicly about all this. He kept quiet because that's just the kind of guy he is. But he got a little redemption this weekend. Um, did Deontay Wilder fight any better in this fight than he did in the last fight? Other than that first round, no, he didn't. And the people, the broadcast team and all that were trying to tell you that he did. No, uh, he he came out a little better. He, he had a, an idea. It, it didn't work. But after that, he just, he showed heart, which... Deontay Wilder's always had. Deontay Wilder is a tough guy and has a ton of heart. And after the fourth round, which again was more about Fury screwing up than Wilder doing something spectacular. After that, this fight resembled the fight last February. I don't know what anyone else was seeing, but that's what it was. Uh, it's just Mark Breland wasn't there to stop it and protect his fighter. That's the only difference. Um, I, mean, there, there, I mean, there's a few nuances, a few differences, but pretty much the same fight. Brad DW54 with the super chat. Thank you, Brad. He says the Fury that won Saturday would lose to the AJ that lost two weeks ago. All right, that's your opinion. I don't know about that. I don't necessarily know about that. But look, guys, listen, there are opinions being expressed on the show that may not necessarily be my opinions. But if everyone keeps it civil, you're allowed to express your opinion here, whether it's popular, mainstream, or not. You're allowed to express that opinion here. And as I say that, we go back to the phones. Uh, let's see. We got 678 on the show. 678, what's up? Hey, Mike, what's up? Um, I really didn't want to call in, but I had to call in because you touched something very interesting with Wilder. And, you know, I'm not going to go easy on Wilder because I, I just feel he's a classless person. Because what he did to Mark Breland, and just let you know, I started watching boxing in 2015. I knew of it, you know, I knew of it before, but really started getting into it 2015. And, you know, I was all, you know, support of Wilder, you know. And until the second fight, and after the second fight, when these conspiracies started coming out, that, um, the glove tampering and Mark Breland might have spiked his water and stuff like that. I I got very disappointed and I thought it was a complete and utter disgrace that this thing he, he, he just he just built up these things because these things were developed on YouTube, on forums and stuff. Right. And he must have got a hold of them and just had fuel to the fire. After that 
Paulie Molinaggi came out multiple times in interviews saying that Waller was trying to get him fired. I think it was for the first fight or something. But he said multiple times that Waller was trying to get him fired because he was criticizing his fighting. That's and right. saying that there's no way. I forgot about that. I forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah. Pauly did say that, that Wilder worked with the executives yeah. at CBS to get Pauly fired. I remember that. Yes, exactly. That That's a complete... Dis- and that, those are things we're seeing on the surface, Mike. That's why I'm not giving giving Wilder any pass. Because what he did in the ring to Tyson Fury, not wanting to... Yeah, let's call it a day. I'm not surprised. He's been... I'm not talking Wilder the fighter. I'm talking what his behavior, I don't know if he's a good person or not, but based on these things, I'm not surprised that he's resented Tyson Fury in the ring. You know, him making the commissioner or someone step into Pauli Malinagi, it must have, he shows Wilder has power. He, he has power over at CBC and somewhere in the boxing world to give him leverage to even do something like that. Guys, just critique. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to critique the fight and say who he thinks will win or will not win. And that's my take, you know, on this thing. I'm very disappointed in Wilder. I'm very disappointed in Shelly Finko, the all and PBC management that just let him do this thing. It's like he has a peer. He's like he just have the same peer people as what Shakira Richardson have in track and field. They have no respect for the sport, and this is not good. This is not good. Yeah, if he if it was a one-off and he didn't want to shake Tyson Fury's eye or whatever, fine. But these past things that you have been doing and think I'm not going to forget it? No, hell no. Mike, I'll call you next time I'll talk to you about something else. Thanks. What's your name, brother? I didn't catch your name. Oh, I'm Dane, man. Dane? Dane? Yeah, Dane. Okay, yeah. Dane. All right, man. Good call, brother. All right. All right. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, I lo- look, I don't want this to be the beat up on Deontay Wilder episode of the Neutral Corner. and I, But I think there are a lot of fans that are just expressing maybe some frustration and opinions. Um, so, you know, I, I want you guys to feel free to express those opinions. But um, and I talked about this earlier for some of you that are just jumping on before I jump to the next call, there's two sides of this. And again, I want to bring up what Ishe Smith told me, I think you guys can go look at our tweets back and forth. You know, Ishe brought up, you know, let, let's try to have a little patience and understanding is basically what Ishe was saying with, with Deontay, because this was a very emotional thing. Um, look, being humbled like that. And this is the downside maybe of being so pampered by everyone around you and being surrounded by yes men and having things your way so much is that when you finally do get humbled, man, it's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because you're like, how did this happen? I'm a God, right? I'm a king. How did this happen to me? This gumpy looking dude beat me up. You know, I should be able to take this dude out. How did this happen? Twice. Um, you know, so it. I just want to make sure that we're remembering that Deontay Wilder is a human being. And has he said some messed up shit? Has he pulled some stunts? Yeah. Uh, Did he take this fight to a place it didn't need to go? Yeah. And as Dane said on his call, 
these conspiracy theories about the rematch, they didn't come from Wilder. They came from kids on YouTube. And Wilder went to those YouTube videos and took those conspiracy theories and talked about them publicly to give those whack jobs a platform. And some of those guys made tens of thousands of dollars off of those videos. And hey, I ain't mad at them. Make your money, man. There's flat earth dudes out there making millions of dollars selling flat earth DVDs and shit. Uh, so look, if you can make your money off that stuff, fine. But for Wilder to give these people lip service and stuff, yeah, that took all of this to a, a bad place. And he does have to be held accountable for that. And nobody, I feel like nobody in the American fight press is doing that. And that's what's so disappointing and frustrating for me. Am I losing sleep over any of this? Is it something I think about the second I log off here and end the show? No, it doesn't bother me. But it's something I notice and I have to call out the different standards that I see. It, it just, it, it's something that I can't unnotice. You know what I'm saying? All right, back to the phones we go. Got a few more here. All right, 401, you're on the show. What's going on? something that I can't. Oh, turn down your, whatever you're watching on. I was going to say turn down your radio, but whatever, 401. Do you want to talk or are you just listening? Oh, hey. Hey, Mike, how you doing? What's up, man? Who is this? Oh, it's just Greg. So Greg, all right. For a long time. Finally, yeah, I finally got a chance to call in. Um, yeah, well, uh, since I was going to talk about Wilder, but since, since you were just saying, but, well, um, about Tyson Fury, like, uh, do do you consider him a Hall of Fame fighter? I mean, he's only had one title defense, right? He had yeah. This this was fought. it. This was yeah. it. This was yeah. Let's talk about Tyson Fury for a second because we've been criticizing Deontay Wilder, which is fair. But I want to put Tyson Fury. Right. Let, let's, let's level set. This dude has had one title defense. He got busted right. using steroids. He was out of the ring for three yeah, years during his prime years. And I, yeah. I still have an asterisk over the Klitschko win. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer right now? No. In my opinion, no. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Because he had two fights. He fought uh, Sefer Sefery, or what his name was, and some other guy, Panea. And then he went in a, like, I thought, what I thought was a cherry pick was from Wilder, you know, he wasn't fighting anybody. He had 10 title defenses and then, yeah. you know, chose to fight Wilder after, uh, I mean, Joshua, I think, Hearn offered him $15 million and he had that whole thing with um, the zone, you know, and um, and, he, and he chose to fight Wy uh, Fury. And, uh, Cherry you pick know, gone wrong. I think it all went wrong. That's all it was. Right, exactly. But, but but Fury's resume, I, I don't think exact is is exactly great, you know. I and yeah. like you said before, I think he needs to fight. You know, he's got to fight the Joshua's. I believe he's got to. If Dylan White beats um, Otto Valine, he's got a mandatory against Dylan White. You know that that would help a little bit, but I think he's got a, a little ways to go. I agree. Now, he's a heavyweight, and yeah. people exaggerate heavyweights. Listen, there are people in the American media that think Deontay Wilder's already a Hall of Fame-level fighter. I saw him tweeting and posting about that this weekend. I think it's insane. But heavyweights get overrated, and especially American heavyweights. 
Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I mean, he fought Ruiz. So who knows how old he is, right? He's. I mean, he could be fifty. Ortiz. Yeah, Ortiz. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Luis Ortiz. Yeah, and he fought. I mean, and you know, in the likes of you know, ex football Gerald, whatever his name was, yeah, ex football player, and he, and he fought, uh, you know, Severn twice, and and uh, you know, a bunch of no names, and I just, you know, and it was it was a good trilogy. I, I don't know if it was a great fight the other night. It was dramatic, definitely dramatic. A lot of holding. I thought Fury fought a smart fight, but. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, I just wanted to know what your thought was on on Fury, um, being a Hall of Famer. That's all. Uh, I appreciate the call, man. Yeah. Uh, to me, he's not there yet. Wouldn't get my vote, yeah. but he's on his way. Yeah. He's on his way. He, he's on his way. All right. All right. I appreciate the call, Mike. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. Have a good one, man. I uh, you too, man. Bye. Okay, let's get a few more calls here. We are going 773. You're on the show. What's going on? 773. Hello, Michael. What's up? Oh, nothing. I got to say, I went down the rabbit hole. That is the LGBT YouTube boxing. I've I've been searching up their responses to the fight. And, man, I forgot. I completely forgot how nuts these dudes are. Just complete nut job. One of them, I think it was chance side boxing or something. They said you're talking about symbolism. Uh, it's, it's the symbolism. You said Kanaki, he was in a rematch and and he lost. And Deontay Wilder, he was in a rematch. And that's just the thing with America. And they spell America with the KKK in the middle. Like these dudes are straight delusional nut jobs. And I had this. I went, I went down the rabbit hole again. I shouldn't even do it. But the crazy thing is, these dudes got like 50,000, 60,000 subscribers. They get like yeah. 700 people in their live chat. This isn't no small time thing. So they can just like, I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. Now, these dudes have a cult following in the large numbers of them. This isn't some small time little niche thing. It's a large community of nut shops. That's a fact. But regarding your own. Andre Ward thing, yeah, that was. I mean, how do you think it happens when you got someone like Andre Ward sitting there saying, um, "What do you say?" Oh, that was a slow count. When he gets to the commentators who are spewing false misinformation, then of course YouTubers are going to spew false misinformation. Yeah, like Andre Ward was completely wrong. Everybody knew that, but you got someone like him spewing it. And people on YouTube, of course, they're going to say that crap. So it's just, I hope we can put this to rest. And um, I hope so too. I get the beautification bout between yeah. Usyk and Fury. I hope so too. All right, Bo. Take it easy. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Short, sweet to the point. I like it. All right. Let's do a couple more. And then we're going to do, uh, we still got fights to preview, believe it or not. All right, I think uh, we got Nacho on the line. Nacho, what's going on, man? Hey, Mike, nothing much. Uh, just listening. Um, just really quick uh, to follow up on that last caller's point. Um, I normally don't watch these dudes that are part of the LDBC cult, but some of them do have, uh, you know, uh, weekly uh, podcasts that they do um, where they talk to their you know, their followers and everything. Um, 
I'm not going to name any names, but I'll tell you this much. There was a couple of them that I, that I paid attention to previous to uh, this fight just to see the difference between uh, what they were saying before the fight and what they said uh, last night after the fight. And let me tell you, on the ones that I saw, I saw a lot of guys eating crow because a lot of these dudes went from being really loud and boisterous and, and uh, being obnoxious to being really humbled, being really, uh, you know, uh, like eating crow. They weren't really saying much about uh, Wilder as far as like, you know, they gave him credit for, for hanging around as long as he did. But in reality, they were, they were humbled. And it was pretty interesting to see because I thought, thought that they were going to keep kind of, you know, just keep that whole, you know, lunacy going of conspiracy talk and all this other stuff that they did previously. But a lot of the people who called in, actually, they actually ate crow. And I was really shocked. I didn't think that they would do it. But a lot of them called in and were really, really, like, humbled by what happened to Wilder. So it was pretty interesting to see. I, I never thought I would see that from, from that, uh, from these particular, uh, groups of fans, but, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see wh- who it is that, uh, they latch on to next as far as like who's their next, you know, fighter that they go out and claim to support right. or whatever, like the way they do with Wilder. Um, <clears throat> uh, just really quick. Um, I, I'm, everyone's been talking about, uh, the, the fight. Like you said, it was sloppy, but it was entertaining to watch. Um, Wilder has huge fucking heart, and and uh, and his will to win was nuts. But that beating that he took, um, yeah, that's going to be tough to overcome. Yep. Uh, if they're smart, they don't put him in the ring again until sometime next year, and just kind of let him recover from that and see see what he has left. But that that was a pretty that was a pretty bad beating that he took the other night. So it'll be interesting to see uh who they bring him back when they eventually bring him back. Uh Fury, uh like you said, at some point we gotta see all of these belts unified. We gotta see him fight uh Usyk and then eventually he he might get a, a shot at Joshua as well, which I hope we do see because like you said, I'm tired of people talking about these uh mythical matchups. I actually want to see them happen. Like it's time to just kind of stop talking about it and let's do it and, and see what happens and let the chips fall where they may. Um, just, I wanted to touch on the undercard just really quick. Um, Kanatsky, I think that kid is done. He took a pretty bad beating the second time in a row yeah. from a guy like Hellenius, who is a decent f- fighter, but he's not a great heavyweight by any stretch of the imagination. But, I think that kid has been ruined again, especially not having gotten his face broken this time around. Uh, I don't, I don't see what they can do with him. That that's going to be really tough for him to come back from that loss. Um, and then uh, the uh, Sanchez Ajagba, uh, I was shocked. I thought Ajagba would have shown more fire and more, uh, you know, wanting to go in there and win that fight. But as soon as Sanchez gave him moving and was just sticking and moving. He, he could never figure it out. He had no plan B, C, or D. And it was it was pretty sad to watch him get outboxed and, and get beat soundly like that. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do with him moving forward as far as, like, 
what type of opponent they give him uh, in his next fight. And then with Sanchez, I wouldn't mind him, seeing him take on another step up. Who that is, I don't know. But I think that guy is not that far away from being, you know, challenging uh, some of the top heavyweights uh, sooner rather than later. And then uh, Anderson and, and uh, the the guy he fought to share, I don't even know how to say his name. Um, Anderson looked great. Um, I still think he's a lot younger than a lot of these guys that are around right now. So there's no need to rush him. I still think Dude. you can develop him for a few more years. And we're, then eventually he'll get a shot. We're at, we're at five minutes, man. I hate to cut you off, but we're at five oh, minutes, bro. No problem. I got to keep it yeah, short. It's all, good. all right, man. Yeah, okay, no problem. Have a great one, right, brother. See you. I feel I, I hate cutting people off. I feel so bad. But all right, we're going to do one more call, guys. And then we're going to uh, do the fight preview. And then we might, we'll take some more calls. Okay. Uh, real quick, I, I saw a comment here from Twal, and I, he makes a, f- a fair point. He says Vitaly Klitschko got into the Hall of Fame without a unification or a signature win versus an elite heavyweight. So Fury likely did enough to get in too. I wouldn't vote for him, but he's a Hall of Famer already. That's a really good point. If Vitaly Klitschko got, look, forget about Fury. Is Vitaly Klitschko's resume, I'm talking about professional, his his amateur resume, I'm not talking about that, professional resume, is it that much better than Deontay Wilder's? I mean, he never got beat down. He didn't lose rounds to journeymen and stuff. But in in, in regards to his wins, it, it's not, it is better than Wilder's, but it's not that much better. I mean, what is Vitaly Klitschko's best win, Right. Um, so that's an interesting point. That's a very interesting point. Now, obviously Vitaly Klitschko would have destroyed Deontay Wilder in a fight. Of course, I'm just saying, remember Deontay Wilder's American. He only needs to come back and beat Andy Ruiz or, you know, a couple guys like that. And he'll get voted in eventually. So great, great point. All right. One more call. Then we're going to do the preview. 818, you are on the show. What's up? What up, Mike? It's Carlos Cabrera, man. What's up, Carlos? Not much, man. Just wanted to get a couple of things across uh, that I was thinking in my head. You know what? I I actually think uh, Usyk has a good chance to beat uh, Wilder. I used to think that uh, Wilder might catch him, but after after this performance, uh, I feel like Usyk will definitely outbox him. I used to think Fury would completely outbox, um, not outbox, but out hustle. Um, uh, uh, Fury would out, out outdo uh, Usyk, but now, also after this performance, I I'm not too sure, man. I'm not too sure. I think Usyk moves enough and has more ability than Wilder to kind of work around the awkwardness that Fury has. Um, as far as AJ, I feel like AJ can catch Fury. I think he has enough skill to keep Fury away, and I think he can. I I think he can stop Fury, um, but I think he loses to Wilder. Those are my thoughts. That's pretty much all I wanted to get out there. Okay. But yeah, what do you think about that? Look, man, I I agree with you that Usyk might be able to beat Fury. The the, the only thing I would worry, or, or if I'm on Usyk's team, the one thing I'd worry about is. When they get inside, can Usyk get out? Can he get in and get out before Fury mauls him, leans on him, pushes him, 
gets him into the ropes, and then starts to do his thing. Can Usyk get in, get shots off, and then get out and around? He's going to have to do all those things. He can't just go in and out because of the length. He has to get in, get off, get out, and then get around Fury. And he has to do that for 12 rounds. Um, So can it be done? I believe possibly it can. But I don't know who I'd pick in that fight quite yet because Fury uses his length and height so well. You know what? The reason why I changed my mind was just I started thinking about it and and seeing Fury in this fight and seeing his performance against Walling. And I I, I know it was, what, the second fight in, I believe, after he, he came back. But I just feel like Fury kind of struggles with volume. And I feel Usyk would be able to move, has a lot more skill than than Wallen, and I, I feel he'll be able to go ahead and get Fury fit. I think he would get Fury but you're fit. Right. I mean, the bigger man. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. He'd yeah. certainly do better than Wilder did. The only difference is he just, you know, Usyk obviously doesn't have the power Wilder has, <clears throat> and he'd be reaching up to Fury. And, and, and Wilder was too, but Wilder's what, 6'6? Six, six? Usyk's like 6'3. So he'd be reaching up even more than Wilder was. Um, I still think he'd be more competitive with Fury than Wilder, obviously, but. Uh, I just don't know if he can keep that up for 12 rounds without getting exhausted. I'd love to see it though. Usyk does have know. stronger legs than Wilder. He's he's just has stronger core, stronger legs. So he's a stronger guy, I believe, than Wilder for sure. You know what? Call me crazy, but I also feel like Fury is a lot of smoke and mirrors, man. He does I agree. all the bob and weaving, but I honestly, I it's it's not. I don't think he's as skilled as people are making him out to be. He does this. It, like people tell me he he's a, he's a more of a volume 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 type of guy, but I feel like he works out he works at a slow pace. It's just when he has those certain points in in the round where he starts moving around, bobbing, weaving, um, throws a couple punches. But he prefers a slow pace, and that's why he disrupts guys by leaning on them, grappling, and and he throws off that momentum that the other guys have. Like that's how he was able to uh, beat uh, Wilder, I believe. It's just he kept. He doesn't let people do what they want. All he does is that grab. You said it. You said it best. It's like that Ward style, you know. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. I hear you, brother. I hear you. All right, Mike. Well, that's my call, man. All right, man. Have a good one. You as well. Yeah. Look, it's it's a Carlos's point, and I'll say this, and I'll keep saying it. On any given night. Any of these dudes can beat the other one. And I guess that's kind of a cop-out to say that because you could say that about any division at any time. But there are certain eras in, if we're sticking with heavyweight boxing, there are certain eras where you clearly, decisively knew who the best heavyweight was. And maybe it wasn't the best era in heavyweight boxing, but man, you knew Joe Lewis was the guy. For a while, you knew Rocky Marciano was the guy. more recently, of course, you know, it was Lennox Lewis. You knew it was Vladimir Klitschko. Um, some people don't like Klitschko, but he was the guy, right? And you knew that. Uh, right now, we think Fury's the guy. We think, but we don't know. We got to see him fight Usyk. And we got to see Usyk beat Joshua again because they're going to do a rematch. Joshua has had one rematch in his career, and he won it decisively. So can Joshua show us another level? 
and do something different in the rematch. What if, what if, just hear me out. What if Joshua beats Usyk in the rematch? I would bet against it. I would, but let's just say if he beats Usyk in the rematch, we're probably going to get a rubber match, right? If it's a good fight, we're probably going to get a third one of those, but perhaps maybe Joshua would fight Fury. It's possible. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it'd be written to the contract where Usyk gets the winner. I mean, there's so many different possibilities. I just want to see these guys fight each other so that we know. I don't want to have to guess anymore. And a lot of the smoke and mirrors, I'm just, I'm over that. I want to see these guys fight each other so we know for sure. All right, real quick, let's do this fight preview. An hour and 45 minutes in, we're going to do the preview. And then I'm going to try to get to a couple more calls, guys. We got to... We got to take a knee at two hours. So I'm going to rip through this quick. Friday, October 15th, best fight of the weekend. A lot of fights on the schedule this weekend. Most of them not very good. This is the best one. Probably, I would say. Uh, top rank on ESPN from the Pachanga Arena in San Diego, California. San Diego. Not really a hotbed of boxing, but you'd think there'd be more fights there. I think we will see in the coming years more fights there. Emmanuel Navarrete defending his WBO featherweight title for the second time against Joet Gonzalez. This is uh, Mexico versus L.A. So I like this matchup because San Diego is kind of right in the middle, right? Close to the Mexico border. L.A. is right up the road, a couple hours. This is a good fight uh, on paper, real good fight. I think they're going to match up well. Uh, Navarrete is usually a lot taller and longer than his opposition, but Gonzalez, they list him at only an inch shorter, a couple inches shorter reach. So he's right there. I mean, Navarrete will be the bigger guy, but – not that much bigger than he's used to. Both these guys have one loss on the record, but Navarrete's was early on, beginning of his career. I think it was like a four-round fight. It was a learning thing. Gonzalez was shut out by Shakur Stevenson two years ago. I want to say it was October 2019, literally two years ago, shut out by Shakur Stevenson. Did he learn anything there? Did he learn anything in that fight that he can take into the fight with Navarrete? We shall see. But that's what makes this interesting to me. The size thing and the fact that Gonzalez maybe learned something on the job against Stevenson that he could take it to the ring against Navarrete. All right, Saturday, October 16, lots of fights. They're not really good, but we'll talk about them real quick. Marius Bredis, his first fight in over a year since he won the World Boxing Super Series uh, Season 2 Cruiserweight Championship, going up against Arthur Mann, defending his IBF Cruiserweight title in Latvia. Huey Fury going up against Christian Hammer. They're fighting in Newcastle, England. Also on that card, Savannah Marshall, Chris Eubank. I think this is on Sky over there in the UK, but I don't think this is on anywhere here in the United States. Lou DiBella has a card from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. That will be on Triller, right? Um, that was originally supposed to be the Lopez. I can't see this fight was supposed to be on a date. That is obviously not happening on a date. Matchroom will have it later on in the year but you're still getting a card there in Barclays. Matchroom on the zone has a card from, uh, this is Matchroom USA on the zone from Chuck Cansey Park in Fresno, California. Elwin Soto versus Jonathan Gonzalez. Soto defending his WBO light flyweight title. And Mikey Garcia, remember him? He is fighting Sandor Martin, 10-round welterweight fight. That is it. So, um, again, I like that fight Friday night, Saturday watch some football or something. All right. That is it with uh, the preview. We got time for a couple more really, really quick calls. And some of you guys in the chat are nuts today. 
Just nuts. All right, we're going to go to the UK, I believe. 796, you are on the show. What's going on? Hello, man. How's it going? Hi, man. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you being? Good, sir. I'm doing well. Yeah, I thought that was a good fight, but I, I've seen some mixed reviews. Some people are saying it's too sloppy, then there's other people that are going a bit over the top, but I rewatched the Joshua Usyk fight. I think both of them were good fights. I think some people went a bit overboard with the Usyk fight, especially in America, saying it was a boring fight. I don't think that was true, but I think arguably this was overall a better fight. Maybe not fought on the same skill level, right? Was good technically, but I think this and the Vladimir Klitschko and Joshua fight were probably arguably the two best heavyweight title fights we've seen in the last. I don't know, over maybe a decade since Vitaly and Lennox fought. So I, I thought it was a really good fight. I do think it become a bit one-sided after the sixth round. Uh, I gave, I think, Wilder the first round and the round where he dropped Fury. But one thing that was interesting, what you said, Fury, I don't think he had a great, great training cramp and he wasn't yeah. in great shape, but he adjusted on the fly. Like, and that's something, when I rewatched the Joshua Usyk fight, he did not do that. And Wilder, I think, did, did show a bit more heart and grit than guys like Joshua have done recently. But I just think in the end, Fury was just too big and too strong. But going forward, I'm not sure if I'd write Joshua off. I do think Styles make fights. I would favor Fury, but if Fury tries bullying Joshua around on the inside, I don't think he could probably do that. Cause, uh, the I only agree. other guy in the division... Is Joshua, who's just as maybe not as big, but he's close to him. He's about two fifty pounds, uh, two hundred fifty pounds. Yes. So, I, I I think in that fight it depend how Fury would box. But regarding Fury Usyk, I don't know. I I still favor Fury. I, I just think he's too big. Do you think um, you think that's a 50-50 fight, or do you would you say Fury is a bit of a favorite on paper? Uh, Fury has to be the favorite on paper right now. Right now, Fury is the favorite on paper against every heavyweight in the world, and that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think Wilder and Joshua would have been an interesting fight. I know yep. people would have favored Joshua. Other people may favor Wilder, but I personally would have slightly favored Wilder, but I do think it would have come down to whoever landed first. Uh, that was a fight we didn't get to see when they were both unbeaten. Hopefully, we get to see Fury and Usyk fight the uh, I know Josh and Fury is the fight the UK public want to see down the line, but if um, say if White is to lose to Wallen, do you think a fight between Joe Joyce and Fury would be interesting? Because sure. I'm not sure who else Fury could fight before. I think that'd be interesting because there's a little bit of Tyson Fury in Joe Joyce, in the sense that Joe Joyce is very relaxed, as I talk about, throws punches from odd angles. He's a tall, long, naturally strong guy. That would be an ugly yeah. fight to watch, but I think it'd be very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yeah. And regarding going forward, uh, say if Joshua is to beat Usyk, is there a third fight or not? Like, do you know what the implication of that fight is? There, it, there's. This is the end of the contract, the second fight. So uh, there's no rematch clause for this fight. So if Joshua wins, he doesn't have to give Usyk a third fight. But I think if it was a really, really good fight and entertaining and the fans wanted to see it, maybe they'd do it again. 
because you have to remember Eddie Hearn has promotional interest. Obviously, it promotes AJ, but he has a promotional interest in Usyk as well. So he could keep a third fight all in-house rather than doing the fight with Fury. It would just come down to dollars and, um, you know, money always talks. So we'd see. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just wondering. I, when I watched, we watched the fight, I had him on 9-3. I think he would go as far as saying maybe Joshua only won two clear rounds, around six and eight. But you could argue it was a, a bit closer. You could say yeah. he won four, maybe even five rounds, if you're being generous. But I was just thinking, because if that fight ends in a draw, Joshua wins or gets the decision, and it's a bit controversial, I, I, I do think Maxim will try and make the Fury fight if that's on the table. But... I was just wondering if the Usyk team will try and uh, try and make sure they could get another fight because I think that's still a big fight in the UK. I know it's not as big as Fury and Joshua, but that did sixty, seventy thousand. I think uh, yeah, the rematch will probably maybe uh, be a win. The rematch is going to be huge over there. It's going to be a huge fight. But I'm mad. We're at five minutes, brother. Yeah, I gotta let All you right. go, man. All right, no worries. Have a great All night, man. All right. All right, thanks. For the- All right, thanks a lot. Oh, I just hate, I, uh, it's cringy. I hate cutting people off, but I, I'm sorry, guys. I got to do it. We have so many calls today. Uh, Joshua Cruz with the super chat. Thank you so much, Joshua. He says, uh, that caller brought up a good point. Tyson Fury is being praised for annihilating Deontay Wilder, but Wilder is not really a good boxer. I completely agree. But listen, people get caught up in the moment and say what you will about this fight skill-wise. The trilogy, what what I will remember the Fury Wilder trilogy for is the drama. Uh, there was just a lot of drama in these fights and some of it was polarizing and political. And there was these racial undertones and just a bunch of stuff I didn't care for. But when they got in the ring, there was really high drama. Even if the fights themselves were completely one-sided or that first fight was a very, very slow pace There wasn't a whole lot of action other than the two big rounds that Wilder had. Uh, But all in all, there was a lot of tension and drama in those three fights. And that's what people want to see in heavyweight boxing. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury supplied that to boxing fans. And that's knockdowns and and knockouts. That's something that American fight fans, casual fight fans here especially, salivate over. So that third fight that we saw Saturday, American fight fans are just going to like that better than the rematch between Chocolatito and Estrada or than what we saw over in the UK between Joshua and Usyk. That's just the style American fight fans love. For my money, those other two fights were better, in my opinion. All right, last call. Last call. We got to keep this fast, okay? 614 from Columbus, Ohio. You're on the show. What's up? What's up, man? This is John Eden. John, what's up, man? Hey, I wanted to get in. Thanks for getting my call before you went on. Um, real quick, I just wanted to say that I'm wondering what we're going to see from Wilder as far as uh, his passion in the ring once it's not Fury across the way from him. I think yeah. Fury really got somewhere in his head that was he got so obsessed where it, it seemed like the belt became secondary to him. He just wanted to knock Fury out, you know? That's and a great point. Fury broke, you know, Fury, it was a light heavyweight fight, but it felt similar to what War did to Kovalev. Yes. When War got up in that second round knockdown, and, you know, it was controversial the first fight, but that second fight, War just broke him down and shattered that 
boogeyman effect he had. And if Fury did that, you know, I just don't know what Wilder's head is going to be at with any opponent that's not him. That's, that's, that's not Fury, you know what I mean? I like that comparison so, because if you look at what happened to Kovalev after that, he was not the same dude. He just wasn't. No. And uh, Fury just totally turned Wilder. If you think about it, he turned him into a villain. I mean, it was this whole Alabama, you know, having fan base, his daughter's story. Wilder had this whole story beforehand. And once Fury came into the picture, maybe a little bit before that, but something changed. Yeah. And his whole aura changed. And Fury brought that out. And I don't know if Fury can do that with anybody else, especially not Houston. But with Wilder, he definitely changed his whole everything with Wilder, in my opinion. And it's going to be interesting to see if Wilder can get that same drive when somebody's presenting him with a fight that's not leading directly back to Fury because, you know, I don't see that happening again. That's a really good point. I didn't even think that's of that. That's just a that's a smart angle because, um, yeah, who is going to get Wilder up emotionally half as much as he got up for Fury? I don't know, man. I don't know if there's anyone out there who can. Yeah. Um, back in the day, you know, you had these rivalries and people kind of moved on. But with social media and every interview, Wilder's going to be asked about what Fury did. And that's one of the driving nuts in my opinion. So that's basically what I wanted to call in and say to you tonight. But we'll see. Good stuff, John. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, bro. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. That's such a – just a great – as we wrap up a two-hour-long show, um, man, that's just a really interesting angle because the, the emotional part of this, Wilder really got up for these fights emotionally. And honestly, I think that hurt him. And that was part of Tyson Fury's strategy to a certain extent. And maybe all this animosity and all this stuff that we're putting on Wilder, maybe the roots of it and the seeds of it actually came from Fury. And this was all sneaky genius mind tricks and mind control from fury that remains to be seen it'll all play out in the end all right guys uh great stuff man i'll see you guys friday all right we'll do we'll do a chat friday on my channel as always have a great one thanks for watching and i'll see you at the fights